Hello and welcome to another wonderful episode of the Mostly Star Wars podcast. I've got my wonderful hosts here, Josiah. Hello there. And we have Tyler. General Kenobi. And myself, Quentin. We're here to discuss uh, the latest episode of The Mandalorian and The Bad Batch. And we're glad to have everybody here with us to uh, enjoy this discussion. So, what'd you guys? What'd you guys think of the episodes this week? Um, uh, do you want to start, or should I? Um, yeah, I can start. Uh, I thought they were great, both of them. Uh, I first off, just like very generally, I love that the Mandalorian started. You know, immediately after the last episode um i love when they do that feels like a continuation and then also thinking into the future for people who are going to binge this series like that's just it's awesome to just go like bam bam you know like it you know like for someone who's going to watch them back to back that was really cool um and then the bad batch um too i i thought that that was a really a really good episode we're getting some really more like cool character development um within the the series again and uh we're kind of um almost going full circle to the beginning where you're getting those feelings of you know um what's best for everybody what's best for omega you know all that type of stuff and uh oh and that's what i was gonna say the mandalorian also felt like uh like an episode of andor <laughs> you know like yeah and in, in, in a good in the in the best way possible like i was like i love jumping into like that side of things um so yeah no, that's kind of like my my hot takes so that's that's funny because i kind of felt like when i was the whole time i was watching the mandalorian i was like all right we just saw the mythosaur we got bo katan maybe believe it a little more <laughs> i want more where, 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 where is the i wanted to see the mandalorian like yeah, <laughs> show me the Mandalorian. That's what I was thinking this whole time. I thought it wasn't a good episode, but that's what I was, you know, excited to see. It was more of that. Yeah, I think. Well, it was kind of interesting, though, if you think about it, because the episode was titled "The Convert." Mm-hmm. So, are we talking? And but it was mostly about Doctor Pershing. Yeah, and so. But it's at the same time, it kind of parallels with the fact that Bo-Katan is the convert as well. Because, you know, she, again, I thought it was very interesting. It started off right, started off right where we concluded the last episode. And, like, one of the first things she asks it, Din is, like, did you see anything down there? Yeah. And basically, kind of curious, like, did you see the mythosaur that I saw? Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was a very interesting take because then you obviously, we know throughout the episode, she doesn't take her helmet off either. <clears throat> right. And then, uh, so it was. They go back to her castle, and then she gets attacked by the TIE Interceptors, and I love the TIE Interceptors. They're one of my favorite uh, TIEs. They're just, I don't know, the design is just so cool to me. And so, but I just loved that battle, that fight over her castle, Mm. and the way she finishes off that... That last tie, 
I was like, that was so cool because it used her ship in like a practical way. Mm-hmm. Because in atmosphere, if you were to actually stick up one of those wings and it would just totally flip your ship right around and catch the wind. Uh, and so I thought that was uh, a very interesting uh, place there. What'd you think, Q? Well, I was sad to see the castle get bombed. That sucked. Yes, like that. For those listening on the podcast, for those listening on the podcast, Josiah is showing off his um, Mandalorian ship, Bo-Katan ship, in the yeah. configuration that she made the made the flip, and I was like, "Yeah, that was so cool to see the ship used in a practical way." I know it was so awesome. Yeah. Plus, we got to see you know the end warning action some more, which is always mm-hmm. a great thing. Yeah, but uh, I was sad to see your castle get bombed. Mm-hmm. Um, I was. Uh, I, I like the line where, where you know, at first she said she pissed off a few Imperial warlords, and then at the end she's like, "That's a that's a lot of ships for just a warlord." So I'm wondering who the Imperial remnants are that she's fighting now you know if they're not just warlords yeah you know we get hints that they've i wonder if moff gideon got away somehow mm-hmm. yeah because they talk about him but they don't specifically say what happened where he is yeah. or what he's doing Mm-hmm. and and because then the whole episode shifts and it was very interesting because it was like all of a sudden you get the title screen and then bam you're back at Coruscant yeah <laughs> and like a lot of Coruscant and almost even more than you saw in, in Andor yeah and post Imperial Coruscant yeah mm-hmm. which we haven't seen very much of either Mm-hmm. I think post Imperial would be the closest thing to that would be the clip you see at the end of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. But I do feel like there's that, that interesting line right after Pershing gives his speech and the people are talking to him and the guy one guy, you know, forgets that oh it's the New Republic, like he doesn't really care. Empire, New Republic, his life was luxurious and comfortable either way, so it doesn't really affect him. Yeah. And I was like, that's kind of Kind of shows that how he, how people, some people of the galaxy didn't care because they were, like I said, rich, luxurious, luxurious, and comfortable living, even though the mm-hmm. empire was doing terrible things to people. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, it wasn't interesting. That the and just the uh, posturing that they were giving him, like, oh, aren't you? You're doing good work for the New Republic now, and just yeah, like totally. <laughs> Just giving him all the praise, and you're like, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think uh, also kind of going back to uh, the, I guess the mid the sky battle wasn't space battle, but the the sky battle. I thought another kind of cool thing in there once again was, you know. Obviously, uh, 
there was just there's too many for her so it was a it was a good move to have you know get two ships and obviously uh din is is an amazing fighter so that was really cool and uh i guess the other thing that i really liked about it is so he's kind of like helping her out but then once again you know just bo katan being who she is once it's one she's like oh okay like me versus one like i got this in the bag you know so like that was pretty cool i, I liked that you know like it wasn't like he was just 100 he 100 percent did everything you know she still was able to do something that i thought was really funny is so after the whole thing like you definitely are like a a little bit nervous right when they're first coming in they're getting hit and everything like that and then he was like oh like like basically like how how is your ship and stuff and she was like just the shields so like after all that the only thing that really happened was you know some shield damage so that was pretty cool and then i love just her talking to the droid the droid falling down <laughs> like multiple times you know that was hilarious and then when she was like i flew these uh like i flew these uh what do you call them uh, yeah, I flew these mountains since I was a kid or something like that. And then she's like, well, she hits a, the side of the wall and she's like, well, I guess it has been a long time. <laughs> I thought it was interesting uh, when the big, the second group starts to come in and there's a lot more of them and she's basically flying straight toward them, towards them. I was like, didn't should be yelling at here. Hey, you still have my kid. Get out of there. <laughs> right that's what i was wondering too like i was thinking that's i that thought crossed my mind when i was like you know so he's now now basically she is having to protect grogu so yeah i was wondering if there's going to be something like that um end up popping up in in the dialogue but obviously he was to the point of trusting her so that was cool Mm -hmm. yeah that that was interesting uh kind of moving back towards the most, the majority of the episode with Doctor Pershing, uh, it was real interesting because he's obviously he still wants to uh, continue his work, his cloning. Even talk, his yeah. speech was talking about uh, cloning o- organs. <clears throat> yeah, which was an interesting idea because you know it's I I've seen like. Uh, what is it? The island with Ewan McGregor, which is kind of like basically that's the whole purpose of their clones is so that they the real pe- the people they're cloned from can have organs. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah. and so I, I was like, okay, that's an interesting idea. But I, I that's never crossed my mind in Star Wars, even though we have clones. Right. Like I guess that's just something we don't think about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it it totally makes sense, and then especially you think like on Coruscant and then like the upper echelon of that society that would sell huge there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They would totally eat that up, but they also, I think because he's talking to the droid and they keep asking him these questions mm-hmm. and he asked the question, well, can I continue my work? And he's like, your work was in cloning that is forbidden by the, uh, Coruscant Accords or something like that. It's I can't remember what the exact term was. And so, and obviously that seems like hey. a smart thing to do considering, uh, yeah, considering Sorry. their history. 
uh, and but it was interesting when I knew when I saw her, I was like, oh yeah, she's she's definitely still bad. <laughs> and yeah, it was just it was just kind of funny because when when he finally approaches her, saying, yeah, I want to do uh, continue my work. The first thing I picked up on is the music playing was the boom same that's played mm -hmm. like at the opera Revenge of the Sith. It's like Palpatine music, basically. And I was mm -hmm. just like, oh, yeah, they just told us she's bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I knew I knew it wasn't something something wasn't adding up, whether she just wanted him to continue his work. And and do the emperor's bidding or or Moff Gideon's or whoever's. And I didn't I didn't really see the fact that she would betray him to the New Republic. That was yeah. what was interesting to me. That blows my mind, kinda. But but then I realized what she was doing when she turns up the voltage, basically all the way up. I'm like, she's just trying to erase his memory, so she he can't spill any of his secrets to the New Republic. Yeah. She's she's just basically destroying his mind so that he can't help them any further. Which to me is an interesting point because that means that they don't need him anymore. Yeah, that that's what I was thinking too. That was the first thing I thought I was like that if if she is still, you know, working for the emperor or, you know, some offshoot of that, it would make the most sense to maybe like yeah get him out of the program or sneak him out or something and hand him over but yeah to yeah to basically wipe away everything that he had been working on which we know you know obviously had had you know significant success he had already been working for quite a long time so that was kind of like interesting to me there like you said a they don't need him specifically anymore or they don't think whatever wherever his um i guess science and what he was trying to do is going to the same end as what they were trying to do because like if you think also uh back to the episodes with him well what's was that even like the first season he was the one like trying to protect grogu remember like he's like, mm -hmm. don't hurt him and stuff, and so like. Well, he wanted the midichlorians, right? But I'm just saying, like, he also like even said it in his in his like speech or whatever too. But you know, not everybody who is doing cloning is a bad person per se. You know, so like if he th if he feels in himself that he's doing a good thing, you know, but there's an ends to a means, and he doesn't know where that line is you know, type thing, but he's still trying to do the right thing. You don't really want to be working. The Empire doesn't want to work with somebody who has moral lines they don't want to cross, you know? Like, they want someone yeah. who has no morals like to do anything, and so maybe that has something to do with it, too, and maybe that's what she saw in him, that he was saying, like, oh, I want to do good. You know, my work can do good, you know? And so he, she's like, oh, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't match with what we're trying to do. You know, we're trying to resurrect this piece of junk old man <laughs> <laughs> right exactly and <clears throat> yeah yeah because she she obviously was serving on Gideon's ship 
And we've seen her in, I think, both season one and season two. Yeah. And so she's... It's it's interesting because when they describe the, the process he's going to go, he's like, they say uh, empire indoctrination is hard to break. And mm-hmm. so I'm kind of just curious. Obviously, she's still in that because, well, she's clearly still working for them. Yeah. And this is this is an interesting perspective on this time period in the Star Wars galaxy because yeah obviously you can't just kill every single person that worked for the empire what are you going to kill the entire galaxy <laughs> I mean right. that's the the empire was trying to kill everyone that wasn't working for them so i mean and you can't and if you're going if you're going to try to do better there's a part of the the whole point of the rebellion you can't just kill everyone and so they have to have programs or something like this of helping those back into the new republic which is obviously an interesting idea because people like uh like her are obviously still trying to work for the empire and and you also see stuff like Pershing. I wasn't even totally, completely convinced that he was wanting to help the New Republic either, though. Through this episode, I wasn't entirely convinced mm-hmm. that he didn't just want to use his work to do whatever he was doing again. Like, I yeah. wasn't, I wasn't entirely convinced that. Yeah, he was. He was full for the Republic. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, and I, yeah, I don't, I don't think he was, I I think it was like all too fresh. I think, you know, for him getting there, everything was new. Um, It was kind of cool that they threw him into a group of people that obviously had been there for a while. So they've kind of like slowly fell into their role and then realized like, Hey, this is better than the empire. So they're maybe not hundred percent for it, but you know, they're like, that's better than what we had to deal with in the past. Um, But I think, yeah, he was so new to it that, I think he was still barely finding his footing on what his new role is, what his new position like in the, yeah, in the new Republic would be versus where he was before. And obviously, you know, if his life's work and passion was, you know, being a doctor, being a scientist, but specifically in the field of cloning. And then now they have him scrubbing data files, you know, yeah, he <laughs> that definitely didn't help. And it was real interesting to me too, because that totally that entire set, I was like, okay, we're back with we're back with Cyril now, in Andor. <laughs> mm-hmm. That felt very much like the same, and it, but it was actually kind of interesting because, yeah, what are they doing? And the uh, one one key in, uh, moment that I picked up on when is when he's talking about. They're dis- obviously dismantling Star Destroyers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But they said, we're also dismantling the Re- Rebellion fleet. Yeah. Which which is a very interesting time because we know that from the books. Well, yeah, the, the Republic wants to be demilitarized. They don't want to have a, a standing military. Yeah. Which, which, is what, which is what allowed the first order to come in and destroy mm-hmm. them so easily. But what's what's interesting about that 
is that that's kind of how the Republic was before the Clone Wars. I mean, they didn't have a military. The, what for, they, yeah, for, for, for thousands of years, they didn't have a military. What, what they had was 10,000 or so Jedi to keep the peace. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you can see the difference there. And we know at this time period, especially we've seen it in The Mandalorian with Luke training uh, new Padawans and stuff. So he's trying to get there, but... And we obviously know how that works out. <laughs> <laughs> but so it, it just it was interesting to see Coruscant again, somewhere we hadn't seen in a while, and just the feelings and the the ships going by and all the this is there was great imagery, and I'm just like, you know that this was like one that Dave probably worked on a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was such a and I just love you, like, yeah, um, you kind of mentioned it earlier, but just we're getting, like, you know, liter- like, you know, metaphorically and literally, like, deeper into Coruscant, you know, like, in this episode, you know, like, you see even when they're, like, on the train, and it's, you know, just diving deeper in there, but, like, I love just, like, and even hit, even, uh, um, even the doctor's, like, looking, like, holy cow, this is pretty cool, <laughs> You know, like, and I think, like, it was kind of funny because I think he was thinking the same as everybody else watching. Like, man, Coruscant is just, like, such a cool planet, you know? And I, I like, that was the other thing, too. I was going to mention, like, just a very small thing. But when he's there and, uh, like, I think it's, like, that first night after he's drinking with the the group of people, he goes to his room. He's still, like, he's, like, listening on his questus about Coruscant, <laughs> like the like facts and stuff of the of the yes. of the planet. So like I was like that was so cool. That did anyone find it interesting that there's a mountain? I, I oh, was like yeah. when they said that's I, a I, mount- I remember hearing about that, but I was I was really cool to get to see it. Like mm-hmm. and they're 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 just all the way at the top, you know, and there's just buildings over top of it. And they're like, Hey, look at the mountain sticks up just barely here. Here's the tip of it. The last bit mm-hmm. of the planet that's not covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was crazy. And, and then the so, skyscrapers that go well above the top of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Do you even know just... how, how to say it? They call it a. Instro menopop. Pop. I don't know. That's how it's said. I'm looking at like that's how it's spelled. I don't. I'd have to put it in the chat. I don't know how you say this. How do you say this? <laughs> Oops, that's not at all. Oh, oh, yeah, that is okay. How do you say that? And what is that in reference to? That's what that's what the, it, they basically called that and said that that means an entire planet covered in a city. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because the the peak is called Umate. The peak of yeah. Umate, the highest mountain on Coruscant. But I can't. I don't. I don't know how to say that word. I'd have to listen to when she describes it again. Uh, for those those listening later on the podcast. We did the show kind of early, so I have actually only got to do a once once watch over this before we started talking about it. But anyway, but yeah, that was interesting, and it was it was a uh, monopolis. 
Acumenopolis. Okay. Acumenopolis. I like it. It's a planet what, what, covered entirely of cities. What was interesting to me is that Pershing, a, a highly regarded scientist in the Empire, has never oh, been yeah. to Coruscant. Mm-hmm. Which makes me wonder if he's not necessarily as highly regarded as we think he is. You know, at the end there, he was serving a Imperial remnants on a, on a very small ship, not even a Star Destroyer. True. So, what was he? Was he? Obviously, he's never been to Coruscant before, which I don't know. I feel like would be strange for a prominent scientist, but could yeah. Be but true. I mean, if we look at what's happening in the Bad Batch, you know, they're they're just confined to Mount Tantis, and that's basically all. Um, yeah, uh, Jen, not Jen, Galen Urso was as well. He was basically confined to where he was working, and yeah. you know, he's basically restricted to he can't leave anywhere. You know, and I think the they, Empire, they the Empire wants you to work, they don't, you don't get days right. off. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I, I think the other thing they they kind of explained it a little bit when he was talking like about his parents, right? Was, yeah. And so, like, he was kind of, like, saying, like, that that's how he, like, got into it or whatever. And um, so, I mean, I guess if he just, you know, he learned from a young age of it, and then they immediately used him from whatever planet he was from, just to, yeah, like, and immediately got into work. And so he only left the planet when the Empire needed him to type situation. Yeah, mm -hmm. I kind of feel like, and so he's probably... Hasn't seen a lot of the galaxy. Yeah. I think he's probably seen more now that the Empire is basically on the run and it's just a remnant group. Mm hmm But yeah, it was definitely interesting to see him Coruscant experiencing Cor it was it was interesting because you'd almost like experiencing Coruscant for the first time, and so we're all looking at Coruscant kind of like through his eyes again, even though mm -hmm. we're like we're like, oh, that's the opera house. And yeah. I, I thought it was interesting because not only did they show the opera house, but then they showed the exact same scene that comes after in Return in uh, Revenge of the Sith, where they show them walking in, where Anakin is running through everyone trying to get up there, up the stairs. But I thought it was interesting that they showed that, but there was one single person walking. I was like... Is it is it empty because maybe people are still afraid to go out or what? Or maybe actually, I think I know what it was because the guy that was walking down, he was late. <laughs> yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was kind of thinking another thing is, you know, we I think you hear a lot about Coruscant also through like books. And so like you kind of like have to in your mind's eye imagine like how how it kind of all is. And now that we're getting more like live action of it, like, I think it's really cool. Like I, I keep on thinking of like some of the Thrawn books with uh, governor price when she's working in Coruscant before she goes, like there's so much of description of, you know, where she lived, what floor she lived on having to go like up and down and like how shady it was, like the lower that you went and stuff like that. And then like, when you're actually seeing it in person, you're like, Oh man, I can totally see it now. You know, like what, how it was all described and stuff is like coming to life. And I love that, you know, 
um, you know, that everybody involved in this is, you know, and starting from the top, obviously, is super into making sure that these, all of these strings like match and, you know, like that there's not stuff that's going to be, you know, clashing from what was already created before. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed like spending time just had nothing to do with the episode, but just, you know, shots just across Coruscant, you know, they like really made it a point to like show off the city. And even when they're going and uh, getting, what were they called? Their, their little fizzles or whatever they were. Mobile lab. <laughs> or no. no, the little ice, or ice oh, things. Yeah. Something fizzle or something. I can't remember. Now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, was, you know, like they're just walking around and you're seeing, the, you know, the city. It's just, you know, and there's like, you know, it's kind of just like an open courtyard. People are running, laughing and having a good time. And, you know, they, they probably a lot of people there probably don't even know much of a difference between, you know, pre-Empire to Empire to now like this new Republic, you know, as as much, you know, like depending on where you lived, you know. And like, I think it's the same when we saw the speech, right? So you have those, the people that were, you know, upper class, you know, they, that didn't change very much for them. They, and they have no loyalties to anybody except money, you know? So to mm -hmm. them, it's like, a, you know, oh yeah, it is kind of different or whatever. But you know, like those one people said, we just try to stay out of it. They're basically saying, I try to stay out of politics. I don't care who's at the top. I just want to, you know, be rich and enjoy my life here. So like, I think that was an interesting thing too, is, you know, Obviously, there's still hardcore oppression, but it's it's uh, it's veiled right now, you know, in in this new republic that it's so much better than the the empire was, but it's still oppression and control. Yeah, and it, yeah, you're like you said, it doesn't really for those those rich people on the top of Coruscant or those those politicians, and you know, life didn't really change that much. Although by the time Return of the Jedi was happening. There wasn't very many politicians because, at mm -hmm. that point, uh, the Empire in, in A New Hope he had done had done away with the Senate, and so mm -hmm. we, you could almost see uh, that there was room for people to get these high end positions again throughout the galaxy who could have these lives of luxury. So, mm -hmm. I mean. You could look at that as maybe a good thing or, you know, but it's still those people who are high up and rich and Coruscant. Yeah. Like their lives didn't change that much. Mm -hmm. And I think like the other thing that, that I was thinking about in this episode is I feel like before we're, you know, kind of getting the lives of other people, like, like even let's say Mon Mothma and her husband, we're getting to see like some of their lifestyles and stuff. I feel like uh, in Star Wars, you always kind of thought like, okay, like the top of the top people or whatever are, you know, the people that are high up in like the empire, high up in like whatever army it is, you know, which is true. They had a lot of power, but it, I think it's just like anything else, like the, you know, the military is completely separate from government. And then there's also people that are separate from the military and government. And you can be high up in all of those three different sectors, right? So there's people mm -hmm. that were living that had nothing to do with the government, had nothing to do with the military, but they're super wealthy and living well. And, you know, it's kind of cool to start seeing a little bit of that just across the, across the board that, you know, 
this is like it's a whole world it's not just like everybody we saw in the movies there's more people involved and around that like yeah either were heavily influencing the outcomes although they weren't directly or the um you know like cassie and andor obviously or you have somebody like on the complete other side where you never really thought you know of them just because they're never talked about but they're just living their life you know <laughs> yeah and and we're kind of in this episode seeing the two halves of that you're seeing how mm -hmm. a lot of people's lives didn't change on necessarily on coruscant but at the same time we look at the mandalorians and their entire planet was destroyed by the empire mm -hmm. their entire civilization yeah yeah and how many other planets are like that just yeah. destroyed by the empire and World so you're seeing resources were taken yeah just just to feed those rich powerful people on coruscant mm -hmm. and, and to feed the empire's lust for power and yeah and that's kind of where this is an interesting episode because it's again it's called the convert which it could be referring to Pershing, but it also could be referring to Bo-Katan mm -hmm. because when when they get in there now I, I was like then we had we had this whole middle episode and I I, I thought okay we're gonna get to see Coruscant I did not realize that it was gonna take up like most of the episode which was interesting too uh, due to the fact that when I looked at it I was like oh man 58 minute runtime this is one of the longest episodes or yeah that there is of the mandalorian this might be the longest episode of the mandalorian i haven't yeah, looked I, but it's definitely close i read the uh little description of the episode before i before i watched it and it said on coruscant former imperials find amnesty in the new republic and i'm like oh great mm -hmm. episode of the mandalorian not about the mandalorian that's what <laughs> that's what i was kind of interesting about about it to me because i'm thinking like should we just have a, a show called star wars tv where <laughs> we can skip all to all these characters and stuff and it doesn't have because people are complaining oh well they they resolved some aspects of the the mandalorian and how babe how grogu got back with din in the book of boba fett and they're like i didn't want to watch boba fett I'm like, well, if you wanted to watch a, the Mandalorian, you should have wanted to watch Boba Fett. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's all Star Wars. Boba I mean, Fett for, is for, the Mandalorian. For for yeah. us as Star Wars fans, we're gonna watch everything that's Star Wars. Mm -hmm. When but, the Mandalorian came out, we're like, oh, this is just budget Boba Fett. <laughs> that's great. I mean, a Mandalorian bounty hunter. We've never seen that before. Oh. <laughs> so which is just kind of interesting to me though, is when you get these uh, episodes and it's, it's happened a few times in the Bad Batch as well of these episodes mm -hmm. that just kind of skip away and don't really have anything to do with the Bad Batch mm -hmm. especially the one episode about uh, that was that took place on Coruscant that was about uh, yeah the, the senator yeah and that and the Senator Chuchi destroying yeah. Kamino and, and the uh, clones that were speaking up about it Mm -hmm. that one that one like you can you can understand the the couple that are go to crosshair those mm -hmm. are 
those are like okay crosshair is part of the bad batch he was part of clone force 99 he's part of the story regardless so you can yeah. see like with that episode completely didn't like have any of them and so but they're everyone's like well it's called the bad batch and they weren't even in this episode and i'm like well we're calling it's the mandalorian and it was all on dr uh pershing mm-hmm. and i don't i don't hate that Again, we, we kind of had this discussion when, about Bo, uh, Book of Boba Fett that we we kind of were like, okay, having this, the, the Return of the Mandalorian episode was just purely just a Mandalorian episode. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're like, okay, you know, I'm, I felt kind of out of place in when it's supposed to be Boba Fett's episode, show, but realistically it was a one heck of a episode of television of star wars so what are we really complaining about here and i think more or less we need to be less concerned about what the title of the show is and realize that it's star wars and it's going to jump around to tell the story of star wars and now obviously especially Mm. this show it's not it's not entirely out of place that we'd be following dr pershing he's been a side character that has shown up throughout the first couple seasons of this show specifically. And obviously he has something that's going to continue. His story is going to link with the, with the Mandalorian show even further, obviously. Cause of, because if he was just, if they're just gonna destroy his brain, then they could have done that a lot quicker and not a full episode and and not and it really wouldn't matter to to us we they could just tell us that that happened in the background of an ep, of an episode or something it, it wouldn't really matter if it's not going to interact so it's not going to come up somehow down the road mm-hmm. which and i mean so, i think i think in a way yeah i mean you could argue that this is the connection. It's the connection from the very beginning, you know. Now, you know, what we saw at the beginning, this is a completely different world from when we started The Mandalorian. Now, you know, someone who at the beginning was a mysterious baddie, you know, now this is kind of what's happening to everyone like that. Um, but I think, like, talking about the Book of Boba Fett, I think for me, it wasn't. it wasn't so much, like, you know ep- that episode like because i thought that episode was amazing obviously because i was like oh yeah maybe you know i was excited about that episode and i didn't care that where it was i just thought it was a great episode but i think my issue with you know just the book of boba fett was like the pacing of it you know i was expecting something completely different i think anyone who was like a big boba fett fan you know from the beginning you were kind of expecting um a, a lot more action and specifically from him you know and then we got something that was a lot you know a very older you know boba fett a very different um uh thinking boba fett like mentally he was a lot different than he used to be obviously after living the life he had to live surviving what he survived through all the things and lessons he learned you know which was awesome but i think it just wasn't what everyone was expecting when we saw it um even when we were seeing like the teaser of it and stuff with fennec you i personally i was just thinking man this is gonna be like a you know gunslinging shooting battle you know crazy you know shooting all across 
Tatooine and stuff, you know? Like, I just thought that's what it was going to be, just like a super high adrenaline, like fighting crime bosses and other syndicates and stuff, um, just 24-7, you know? And so I think that's where the, I guess, the letdown for me was, is because it was something I didn't expect. And But I think to your point about moving forward, I think this is, you know, you know, what John wants, you know, like, I think, I think he wants there to be little pieces of all these different shows scattered across the shows. So it all feels connected. So it feels fluid. So then you can, you know, have those exciting moments. You're watching the book of Boba Fett, and then you see someone else that you love from another show. I mean, that has, that is proven to work. That is proven to make money. That is proven to get more viewers. You see it with Chicago, you know, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, you know, now they have like Seattle. That is proven money. You, you make these crossovers, like that's just money, you know? So like, if they can do that, smart. I love how that's where you went and not the most obvious one of the MCU connection. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I, I don't even think, but to be honest, like, I don't think that's even like, I don't think that's like the money thing that they've seen from, you know, because if you, if you look at the MCU, there, <laughs> there's a lot of shows that have horrible ratings, horrible, you know, but not, not like those other ones, you know, like all the Chicago's super high rated and everyone that like, if you talk to someone who likes that, I've never seen one just to be honest, but you talk to someone. I watched Chicago fire when it started, but I only watched like the first couple of seasons and I've never watched any of the other stuffs and don't watch them anymore. You, you talk to someone who's like a fan of it. They're just like, Oh man. And then this, and then this person over here did this and that, you know, whatever. Whereas like, nobody's like, Oh man, I'm so happy in, in the Hulk or whatever. I mean, the she Hulk and that this happens, like you didn't even watch the she Hulk, you know? (laughs) Whereas like, if you're a Star Wars fan, you watch all this and it's good. Yeah. You That's know true. I mean? Like, even if they, you can have nitpicks about it, it's good Star Wars, you know? Whereas, like, Marvel, <laughs> there's some, like, not good Marvel, you know, like, in yeah, show but, format. I mean, if you really talk, if you want to talk about what the discussion is about not good Marvel versus uh, Star Wars, people consider Boba Fett like She-Hulk. I mean, that's a lot, a lot of them... And, but it it just doesn't make any sense to me personally, but yeah. and I, we kind of discussed it. There's I a lot of see people. Fat doing any twerking. There is, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know what? That would be funny though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do a little celebratory dance. No, but the thing getting the discussion kind of back towards the Mandalorian is the Mandalorian in spe- specifically has fans that watch just this show and it, and it's i think pretty sure it's mostly because of grogu that there are people who don't watch star wars at all that watch the mandalorian mm-hmm. and so and that's well, why watch more star wars then and that's why i think there's the complaint of uh hit how grogu got back with the mandalorian in book in a different show that I think that's why you're seeing that, yeah. That that discussion, and so for us as Star Wars fans, we obviously we we watch and we cover all the Star Wars. So 
it's not going to matter. Like we see something in one show and we're going to see, we're going to see it, you know, we're, we're, we're going to know the connections and, and that's what I think we're also building up to is that I'm pretty sure we're going to get a ton of connections with the Ahsoka show coming up, even from this se- from this season of the Mandalorian. But I know that both Dave and John are also working on Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew. And, and both Dave's of- obviously working on the Bad Batch. Yeah. Well, Dave pretty much works on everything somewhat. No. Even John even John has said that he basically he's in like at least consults for like every project. Yeah. And, yeah. But well no, and it's I not think the yeah, official like, title, but Dave's kind of like the continuity keeper of Star Wars. Yeah. I feel like in they and they've even said it on multiple interviews too, but I feel like Dave and John are probably just in constant communication. And then like any one of them has a question or they think of something or like, oh, what do you, you know, they call each other and then they hash it out and you know, decide what's the, the best way to go about it, which is really cool. <clears throat> and just in general of the continuity thing. And I, what I, I will say I do like about this format though, is versus let's say uh, DC. So like the DC, um, the DC shows, also had tons of crossovers but the the problem i would say with those is they sometimes they're running at the same time you know and so it's like you had to like you know be 100 percent caught up on everything and like be watching you know multiple shows in the same week to be able to like get these crossovers and i think there are so many people that a, once again, it helped with their ratings because they'd say, let's just say, for instance, you're watching the arrow, you know, the green arrow, and you're like, I love this show. And then you're like, oh, man, there's a crossover with uh, <clears throat> whatever it is, a uh, Batwoman and Supergirl and uh, whatever that time traveling one is. I'm spacing what it's called. Then you're kind of almost like, oh, man, I got to like catch up on this because I don't like now I have or I have no idea what's going on in the episode because I don't know because you're missing lots of different things because then it'd be like a I think they were doing like four a four part crossover. So each each episode, there was an episode on each one of the shows, but all the characters were all together. So it's like you really were like lost if you weren't watching the other ones to know what was going on and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think. I think that was kind of frustrating, I would say, whereas this one's a lot different or the way that they're doing Star Wars is different because you're you're having spacing for the for the most part of this stuff. And so, like, if if, you know, it'd be pretty easy to be like, okay, I'm just going to watch the book of Boba Fett, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, you know, like you have a lot of time and then like let you watch the Mandalorian like this, you know, you're going to have a lot of time before the next Mandalorian season comes out. (laughs) <laughs> you know to like catch up and yeah. watch other stuff you know well, it's not like yeah if if you think about it this is season three now but it's been two years since since we've seen season two i mean season two came out in what 2020 so now it's yeah it's been 20 or two years and the mm-hmm. only thing we, we did get those three those three episodes in the book of boba fett that mm-hmm. were a year in between that, and that was a little bit of catch up. But uh, like Duchess and Lily are saying that uh, she says, 
many of the wives of Star Wars fans who don't like anything else love the Mandalorian because of Grogu strikes a motherly chord because he's too adorable. And mm-hmm. yeah, Lily says Hezekiah and Kari smile and giggle anytime Grogu's on screen. So yeah, I mean, people love Grogu and mm-hmm. uh, that's why I'd also heard rumors of like, uh, that Kathleen Kennedy was kind of messing with John's vision of the show because they wanted to keep Grogu in the show. And, and that was kind of like, cause, cause doesn't it almost feel like that where, where the show is going now, he's just there. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like it, where the show is going story wise, it could have just been happening without, without Grogu if he was still training with Luke this, yeah. he, the Mandalorian would still be going on this quest right and to redeem himself yeah I do I do like um, you know at, at least like on the last episode where he was integral to the story you know obviously yeah. having to save Din and stuff like that and so if they continue, continue that like I guess he doesn't have to be like a main main character but that actually um, we'll get into it later with the Bad Batch, but that also kind of uh, reminds me of like Omega too. Like there's somewhere she's kind of chilling, and then now she's starting to be like a more integral part of of the group and success of different missions and things like that. And so I I am hoping that that's kind of like what happens with Grogu. Like last episode was really really cool, but he was still pretty inadequate. I would like to see that progress further, hopefully even like time jumps to where then he's like, you know, Din and him are almost equals, you know, even though like, you know, he's still young, obviously, even if it's not that far of a time jump, but like because of his, you know, connection to the force, he can almost be like an equal. And so then you almost, and then there's almost like, like right now, I don't know about you guys, but I have zero fear of anything happening to Grogu. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, I would yeah. like there I would like there to be that though at some point, you know, whereas like, you know, last season that what like there was moments where I'm like, oh my goodness, like he's kidnapped and all that type of stuff, right? So yeah, I don't know. I would like to kind of see that it, it but it would have to progress because they're not going to allow like little Grogu right now <laughs> to get well, injured, got, uh... you know. A question for you guys. So when they're flying, when they leave Mandalore, and they're flying back, and they, Din and Bo-Katan both say, this is the way, and then you hear Grogu kind of <laughs> grumble and mumble, right? Is he going to say, this is the way, or is he going to say, the way this is? Oh. <laughs> and then who, like, who's going to voice it? His actual speaking. Right? Yeah, when he finally talks, is he going to sound old? <laughs> Yes, that would be awesome. Just instantly sounds old. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is like 50-something, right? Uh-huh. He goes from but like baby babbling and cooing, and then he's like old sounding when he talks. <laughs> I'm... Okay, so let's kind of move back to the episode. Words are, and... When 70 years old you are, Din. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much energy you will have. <laughs> Uh, so let's kind of move to the end of the episode here where we get back with 
the Mandalorian with Din and Bo-Katan. I, I did love watching that ship land and the, the detail that they show on it when mm. she's walking around it. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was a cool scene. Yes, yeah. that that was uh, definitely an interesting... You know, you know what was funny about this show is we talk all about the volume and like how you could basically tell that Obi Wan, the Obi Wan show, was filmed in the volume. I don't know how they do it in the Mandalorian, but you really can't tell. It doesn't feel like it's confined to the volume when when filming. It just doesn't feel that way, and it, it almost it felt like that in the Kenobi show. But mm-hmm. and that's and I think it's kind of stuff like that. It's the it's the showing showing Coruscant, the the skyline. It's the showing the detail on the ship. Yeah, and getting getting up close like that. I mean, that was pretty cool, and it was it was interesting to me how they basically reacted to him to when they landed, and they're like, uh, "Pre is it's pre Vizsla, right?" Has Vizsla. Has? Talking about, talking about at the Mandalorian covert? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's Paz. Okay. Well, when he's like, well, you're both apostates. But then they, they discuss. And and then they bring him to the armor. And I was thinking, okay, are we, is the armor going to like, because I don't think just because she thinks Bo-Katan is redeemed that doesn't mean she doesn't have an issue with her. Because, I mean, she didn't spoke speak very highly of her when they were talking about her in the Boba Fett show in the Return of the Mandalorian episode. Talking about how she led and she took the sword without without winning it. And so she didn't it didn't seem like she has a very good relationship with Bo Katan. And mm. so it's kind of interesting. And I wonder how it's gonna continue from here. Yeah. One thing I kind of noticed in the, in this scene is just how gigantic John's back a jetpack is. <laughs> I know it was huge. That's what I was thinking too. I was like, "Oh dang!" And I, like I think, and then as people were walking by him, like you you've seen it before when it was like person to person, but I think in this one where they have a lot of like you know uh, smaller people, shorter people, then you're really like, "Whoa!" <laughs> it's just like a a big dude in general. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is a big dude in general, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I don't mean fat. Like he's, he's a tall, <laughs> stout dude. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, it was just interesting because even when they they show up, they're uh, Din basically tells, Din tells her, "Yeah, it'll go better if you leave your helmet on." Mm-hmm. But as we know, she hasn't removed her helmet mm-hmm. since being in the waters. And I just kind of because she but she still says she even tells the armor, I don't follow your your customs. Mm-hmm. And then she asks, well, have you removed your helmet since you bathed? And she's like, no. no. <laughs> and then. So I'm really curious is like we're kind of like. At a point in the show of like what happens next? Because I th- I thought like the next first thing that was gonna happen there's gonna be some kind of showdown between these guys, and now everyone's saying we're basically 
she basically said, you are now part of the tribe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then everybody, like, turned their, like, I guess, like, borderline disgust of her to now they're giving her pats and hugs and welcoming, welcoming her, you know? And she's, like, not even saying anything. Like, uh, uh, Lily was saying the whole time, like, man, I wish I could see her face right now. You know, like, because I just want to know, like, what, like, what is... Like, how is she feeling about this whole thing? Is she just like, what the heck? This is weird, you know? Or, you know, like, and then the other thing is, like, we haven't really touched on it too much. But I think the other thing is I love when when shows will do this, will give us, the audience, more information than the main character. And so we know what Bo-Katan saw, but Din doesn't. And so, like, mm-hmm. that's really interesting. That keeps the anticipation up. Like, like you were saying, like, we were expecting, we talked about this last week, we were expecting some conversations around this. But so far, it's just pretty much been mute. And so, like, this really interesting to see when this is eventually going to come up, because we know it will. But we're in, when and how is this going to to come up? Who, like, is, who is she going to, she's going to have to tell someone, you know, because the only other thing I don't know if you guys noticed it, but Grogu felt weird about the exchange. And so even though he didn't see it, he maybe felt it. So he might have felt that there was something down there in the water and felt that there was something different with Bo-Katan when she came up. And so he's like, are you going to say something about that crazy monster I felt in the water? (laughs) Well, and it was kind of interesting, too, uh, kind of at the beginning of the episode, though, is when Din's like, I didn't realize it was that deep. And mm-hmm. Pocatan says it wasn't. It wasn't. And that it must have broken free when the craters and the bombing happened, which even makes more sense of, yeah. like, I mean, it is called the living waters. Mm-hmm. And, it, and the myth said it was, or, or the legends said that it used to be a, a lair of the mythosaur. So it was a real interesting and when you move move back move ahead to the end there where Bo-Katan is keeping that close to her chest which to me means that she's not entirely done being the ruler she Mm. hasn't she hasn't at at this point I almost feel like she's given she's has more hope than she has in this uh since we've been watching the show Mm-hmm. and yeah. obviously because i mean and now she's keeping her helmet on in front of all the other mandalorians and so and it's real interesting because again how you were talking about how everyone was like congratulating her and and patting her on the on the back you know the one who didn't and looked kind of sus was paz but we already <laughs> We already know that he's kind of hot-headed. He wants yeah. to be the one who wants to lead. He tried to he tried to fight the man Din for the the dark saber when there was three of them. I want to be the leader of you three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's just, it's just kind of interesting in where the conflict will be. Is he gonna yeah. try to be like? I'm going to catch her without her helmet on. <laughs> that sounds almost dirty. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, she's not wearing a helmet. 
Yeah, so, do I sleep I, with that on? Like, is it like, is it like comfortable? Like padded, like a pillow? I feel like you just do, you don't take it off in front of people, right? Yeah. So like you could like when you're sleeping. So what if somebody barges into your room? Because bathing the waters again. I think in the first in the first season, they asked. Or I think she says something along the lines: "Has your helmet ever been removed?" In, in in front of someone or something like that. I don't so, something along those lines. And yeah. then the other question is: Has someone ever removed your helmet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Duchess said um, he takes it off himself in the village, and that's true. He specifically takes it off in the in that village scene and sets it kind of like on the window. So like when he knew nobody else was around. So I think yeah, you can take it off. You just you can't show your face basically to anyone else or have someone take it off. Yeah. 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 You, your face just can't be seen to anyone else. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's an interesting idea. Cause like, again, what is Bo-Katan going to do? Is she going to remain, keep that thing on? I, I feel like there's going to be something, something's going to happen where they're going to get rid of that rule somehow. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, we can't hide Kitty Sagoff's face forever. <laughs> True. Yeah. And, well, I mean, the same, same with uh, how long they're going to keep uh, Pedro Pascal's face hidden. Yeah. But at this point, everyone knows it's him, so. Yeah, that's true. All right, guys. Well, it's been a great show. Uh, if you're listening to us later uh, on the podcast, even if you can't watch us live, please head over to Twitch, hit that follow button. We're trying to hit affiliate on Twitch, and we do all these shows live on Twitch. And uh, so you can be part of the conversation if you want. Uh, join us there. Uh, if you can't watch live, uh, we definitely appreciate it. You can also check out our Patreon page. And also follow us uh, or join our Discord server. And all that is listed in the description. All right. Thanks, guys. And uh, I'll I'll ask Josiah this time. Uh, You know. (laughs) (laughs) May the force be with you. Always. Always.